Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you today. We are in 1 Peter, the first epistle of Peter, in chapter 2, and my, 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 what a tremendous chapter this is. Isn't it a wonderful thing how the Holy Spirit makes us smart? You think about the Apostle Peter. You think he was just a common fisherman. But in writing this letter, we have seen and we witnessed just how far God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, has brought this apostle. Uh, this is not only an encouraging letter. This is a theological letter, and it's deep. And so I praise God for it. And this second chapter, oh, my, 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 what a tremendous chapter we are about to study. But before we begin, notice what the psalmist says in the 91st Psalm. He says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and in Him I will trust. Praise God. So we're going to trust the Holy Ghost today, uh, the Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit of Christ, to deliver accurately the truth that's in the Word of God. Amen. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you, Father. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy, your steadfast love that never fails. Great, Lord, is your faithfulness. And Lord, we just trust that the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, will enable us uh, to minister the Word of God, both in the speaking and in the hearing. Deliver us, Father God into your truth, and we'll give you the praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Well, praise God. I've entitled this chapter uh, very simply, A Chosen Generation, A Royal Priesthood. Amen. So we know that the Apostle Peter, he's writing to Jew and Gentile alike because at the uh, date and the time of this letter, that's exactly what the church was. The church was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And of course, you know, these two groups of people weren't separated until later on. But uh, and to me, this is such a tremendous blessing to know that in the church today, we come of all tribes, of all peoples, of all races, we're all asunder, uh, uh, assembled under one banner, and that's the banner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So I love it. I love the fact that we can uh, celebrate and we can worship together, even though we come from different backgrounds, different cultures. But we're all born again by that one and selfsame spirit. Amen. The spirit of Christ. And that's to me, that is such a glorious uh, witness and testimony to the world, and also it brings glory uh, to our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's really what this session is about today. It's about the glories of Jesus and what He has done for us. Amen. All right, we're going to begin 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. I've entitled this section, The Royal Priesthood of Believers. Notice what Peter writes in verse 1. Wherefore, Laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Now, we're talking about the priesthood of believers. And the first calling of the priesthood of believers is for us to walk like Jesus walked. Jesus walked in holiness 
and in truth all of his days. And so that's how we walk. Amen. And so in order to do that, we've got to lay aside the former self, the lower nature. Amen. And of course, when we're talking about the lower nature, we're talking about that's where uh, this propensity for malice and guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings. That's where all of this originates from. Amen. You know, we have to understand that our physical bodies have not been redeemed yet. And that's where the nature of sin lies. It lies within the flesh, within our lower nature. But now through the new birth, God has given us because God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit, they all dwell in our heart, the center of our being. Amen. That's where the temple of God is. They have given us or rather he will talk about God as he one. Uh, that's where he has given us the power to overcome the world, the flesh and the devil. Praise God. So in laying aside, meaning that we cast off or we put off. Uh, all of these things, we, we don't allow ourselves to be dominated by the flesh. We will not yield our instruments uh, to be servants of unrighteousness, but rather we will yield our members to be servants of God. And we do that in holiness and truth all of our days. Amen. Uh, we're not going to give in and we're not going to yield to malice. Malice comes from the Greek word kakos, and kakos means bad. So malice just means badness. It means evil. Praise God. We're not going to yield to guile. We're not going to yield to deceit or trickery. We're not going to uh, be hypocrites in our faith. We're not going to be acting the part of believers, but in secret, uh, we act exactly the opposite of that. No, we're going to glorify God when we're in public, and we're going to glorify Him in private. As a matter of fact, our private devotion uh, to Christ and for Christ is going to be seen by men in public places. Amen. So we're not going to give in. We're not going to yield to envies. We're not going to yield to jealousies or to being spiteful, nor to evil speakings. We're not going to be defaming others. We're not going to be backbiting. And I know in this day and age, with the insanity that seems to be raging and and uh, social uh, media and in politics today, it's hard for us not to speak evil of those, but we've got to shut our mouths. And if we open our mouth to defame others, then we need to stop right now, right then. We need to repent. And instead of defaming, we need to be praying and blessing because that's the only way that we're going to be able to help these people that are contrary. So we're to put all of these off. Amen. And in verse two, this is what we are to do as newborn babes. We are to desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Amen. Notice Peter's writing to newborn babes. He's writing to the firstlings, uh, those that are new in the faith of the Lord Jesus and those that are facing just tremendous uh, pressure and temptation, testing and persecution. But now he's telling these young babies and he's telling us also that as newborn babes, we are to desire the sincere milk of the word. And of course, you know, we know the analogy about being an infant and, and, and desiring mother's milk. And the older we get, the more we go from uh, mother's milk to uh, solid food and then to eating meat and things of that nature. But listen. I'm I'm approaching 70 years old and I still like a glass of milk every now and then. Amen. Going back to the basics doesn't hurt us at all. 
Amen. So we need, even though we're mature in the faith, we need to continue to desire the sincere milk of the word. That's our foundation. We always need to go down, need to go back to our foundation to make sure it's nice and strong. And of course, we, you know, as well as I do, that the that the stronger our foundation is, the higher our building is going to be. Amen. Praise God. And then verse three says this. If so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. You've tasted that the Lord is gracious, haven't you? Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. So and this is what continues to enable us to taste the sweetness and the goodness of God is that when we continue to thirst and to hunger uh, for the things of God, uh, Jesus said this, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness for what? They shall be filled. When you and I hunger and thirst after the word of God, when we begin to hunger and thirst for the presence of God, when we begin to seek him, praise God, when we begin, Lord, revive us in your way. Help us to know the truth of your word. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. And Lord, as an expression of our faith and of our duty to you and of our consecration to you, we're going to turn our eyes away from foolish things, worthless things. And Lord, we know that when we do that, we know that you will revive us in your way. Now, the Lord's not going to revive us in our way. Amen. Because we don't know the way. Jesus is the only way that we know. It's the only road that we can travel. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So God is going to revive us in his way. And that's why the psalmists, that's why those in the New Testament authors and Old Testament authors, they're always talking about, they're always praying about knowing what the way of God is. This is the way Isaiah prayed. We are to walk in it, praise God. That's how we're going to have revival. Now, verse four says this, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Let's break this verse down. First of all, Peter says this. He's calling Jesus a living stone. And what he's talking and speaking of is that Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, the living cornerstone of the kingdom of God. But not only does uh, Peter call Jesus a living stone, he also says that Jesus is chosen of God. Think about that. Jesus is chosen. In other words, we could say it this way. Jesus is elected of God. He was elected to be the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Amen. And that's really what the elect is. It's chosen of God. You and I, as believers in Christ Jesus, we are the elect of God. We are the chosen of God. And not only does Peter call Jesus a living stone, chosen of God, he says this, and Jesus is precious. Oh, hallelujah. Precious Jesus. Precious Jesus, how many songs have been written? How many songs have been sung talking about precious Jesus? Why is he precious? Because he was chosen of God, because of the work that he did in his cross, in the cross, in his death, burial, and resurrection, praise God. And because he is precious, it means that he's valued. It means that he is a prize to be won. He is one to be held in honor. Oh, glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Is Jesus precious to you? 
Oh, I know he is. He's precious to me. Praise God. Now, verse five says this. And ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. That's our way to get to the to God. The father is through Jesus. Amen. Notice that Jesus Peter calls Jesus a living stone, and then he calls us believers lively stones. We're the stones that are laid upon the foundation of Christ that build up the house of God. Amen. And we are called a holy priesthood, a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, so that we can do what? Offer up spiritual sacrifices. Amen. Isn't that what Paul wrote to the Roman church? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a holy living sacrifice acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual worship. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might know what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God is. We are to present ourselves, our bodies to Christ every day. Amen. As a living sacrifice. Amen. We do that in worship. We do that in not always doing what we want to do, but doing what the Lord would have us to do. Amen. Praise God. All right. Verse six. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect. Notice that a chief cornerstone elect precious. This is exactly what Peter is talking about. And he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Isn't it interesting how Peter is basing this letter upon the word of God? The revelation that comes from the word. Amen. I tell you, Peter's preaching the word here. Glory to God. Now, he gets that verse of scripture that he just quoted in verse six. He gets it out of Isaiah chapter 28, talking about Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. But I like what Paul says in reference now to this verse, notice this in Ephesians chapter two, that we, the house of God, we, the born again child of God, the church are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building of God fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation, a dwelling of God through the Spirit. If you are born again, you have the Spirit of God in you. You are part of this household called the household of faith or called the house of God or the temple of the Lord. I tell you, that should get you, that should make you get your shouting shoes on, praise God, and do a dance and a jig for the Lord. Praise God. All right, verse seven. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. And of course, there are many in the world today, going all the way back to the time of Jesus walked the shores of Galilee. They continually stumble over this great stone. Praise God. But I think the most poignant passage uh, is uh, in Luke's gospel, and he records this, Luke chapter 20, 
verses 17 and 18. I'm reading this out of the New American Standard. Notice this. But he looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone? Everyone, notice this, who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. But on whomever it falls, it will scatter him like dust or grind him to powder is what the King James Version says. Aren't you glad, amen, that you fell in humbling yourself and crying out for mercy, you fell upon this living stone and he broke you. Amen. And he broke me. He humbled us and we threw up our hands of surrender. We asked him to come into our heart and life and he did and he made us brand new people inside. But there are those that hear the gospel every day and reject it. They reject it their entire life. I have family members who you can't talk to about the gospel because you'll get into some type of an argument or a debate. Well, I'm praying for these individuals and I'm telling you today, they will not leave this earth without having made Jesus Christ Savior and Lord because I have claimed them for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But think about all those that go, that leave this earth unprepared to meet Jesus that are going to have to stand at the white throne judgment. Well, the rock that was set up as the chief cornerstone to build up the house of God, the rock that you and I fell upon and broke us, amen, and then made us. He rooted us up, brother. He rooted us up, sister, but then he replanted us and we have become a fruitful vine. But now those that stumble at this same stumbling stone, they're going to be ground to powder. They're going to be ground and scattered like the dust. Oh, I tell you, that should invoke something on the inside of us to want to reach our lost family members and our neighbors and all those within the sound of our voice. That's why we get out and we preach the gospel every Sunday. That's why we're crying out for God to send forth laborers into his harvest field. That's why we support missionaries and those that are our tenant ministers and evangelists to go forth. Amen. We are to do the work of saving souls ourselves, but we are to support those that go forth. Amen. To witness into this world. Why? Because in our heart, we know where they're going to go and we don't want to go there. We don't want them to go there. We want all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. That's the heart of, of God. That's the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. He wants all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. But they have to come to this living stone and they have to be broken. Amen. And when they are broken, Christ picks up the pieces and he fashions them according to his will. And then we walk, we stand up. When we stand up after being broken, we stand up a new man in Christ Jesus. Praise God. All right. Now, verse nine. But you are a chosen generation. Notice this. A royal priesthood. We're not of them that fall back unto destruction. We are them that go forward. Amen. From glory to glory. And that's what Peter's saying here in verse 9. But we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness 
into his marvelous light. Oh, let's just praise God right now that we have been called out of darkness. We have been called into his marvelous light that Jesus Christ, before the foundation of the world was ever laid, he already knew what he was going to do with us before we ever knew and recognized and realized what we were going to do with him. He already knew what he was going to do with us. He chose us for the from the foundation of the world that his spirit would be in us and he would cause us breathing into us and causing us to be new men and new women in Christ Jesus. Well, let's just break this verse down. A chosen generation, a spiritual nation, a spiritual generation wrought through the new birth, a royal priesthood, a kingdom of priests under God and the Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, a holy nation, a spiritual nation, one body made up of Jew and Gentile, whom we call the Israel of God. Now, I want to say something when I use this term, this title, Israel of God. I'm not speaking in reference to replacement theology because I do not believe the church has replaced Israel. Israel has its place in God. Amen. But they've got to come through Jesus Christ to realize the glory that God has for the nation of Israel. We... Jew and Gentile alike, we've been made part of that Jerusalem that is above. Praise God. Amen. And notice again, a peculiar people, a people for God's own possession. He has possessed us. We belong to him. Praise the Lord. For what purpose? That we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are to proclaim the glory of God. We are to keep the world in remembrance of the wonderful deeds that God has done in this earth and in our lives. Amen. Verse 10, which in time past were not a people. See, in verse 9, God, I mean, Peter exalts us, but then in verse 10, he humbles us. Let's never forget our beginnings, who we were before Christ picked us up and set our feet upon a solid rock and lifted our head up above our enemy, praise the Lord, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. God saved us. It's by his mercy that he saved us. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, this second section I've entitled Living in Righteousness and True Holiness. Notice verse 11. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Abstain from. In other words, that means that we're not to have any part of. Amen. That we are to cut these off. Amen. Exactly what Peter said in verse 1. He's reminding us again in verse 11. We are to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Now, I think this is very interesting here. I got this out of uh, Wycliffe Bible Translators. Notice what it says. The figure to war against is not that of hand-to-hand fighting, but of a planned expedition, expedition now, against a military objective. Fleshly lusts that war against the soul are tactics of the overall strategy 
to pull you and I away from God and from Christ and to turn our back on him and then go into utter destruction. But we're not going to do that. We are not ignorant of the devices of Satan. Remember what Paul said, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. Evil thoughts are going to come into your mind. It doesn't mean you have to speak them. It doesn't mean that we have to act upon them. Amen. We can ignore them or we can cast them down in Jesus name. And remember what Peter said. I mean, remember what Paul said, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So what Paul is telling us here that it's in Christ, the fact that we're in Christ and the fact that we have on the armor of God. Amen. This is what enables us to stand against the wiles of the devil. And Jesus said this. He says, watch and pray. He said this to his disciples. Watch and pray that you may be that you may not enter into temptation. And then Peter says this in verse 12, having your conversation or manner of life honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, the day of visitation, I do not believe, talks about the second coming. I believe the day of visitation is what we have witnessed now throughout the 2000 years of church history. Those are persecuted and thought to destroy the church like Saul of Tarsus before he became Paul. Got a visitation. God visited us, visited the Roman Empire through the church. And it was the Christian faith that overthrew and that defeated the entire Roman Empire. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. So and God visited you. And he visited me through the gospel, didn't he? And we found out just how sweet and precious the Lord Jesus is. And then in verse, thing, verse 13, Peter says this, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king of supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God that with well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. One note here, and that is when Peter is talking about every ordinance of man, that's talking about every ordinance of man for the goodwill of men. We're not talking about obeying ordinances that governments, amen, enact that uh, threaten the church or, or threaten our um devotion to Christ or that calling for us to renounce Christ. No, we cannot compromise the gospel. We cannot compromise the church's stand in this world. We are to stand against the darkness of this age by calling men to put on the garment of light. Amen. These are just practical ways in which the church has witnessed and will continue to witness in the world. Verse 16 says, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. We are free men, but now we are bound to Christ as servants, and we serve Christ through serving men. And then verse 17, Peter writes, Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. Actually, honor the emperor. The very one that Peter is writing to the the church in Asia Minor, that's the very emperor that crucified him upside down that beheaded Paul. But yet 
the maxim is still the same. We are to honor the king, and this is a tremendous witness into the world. Amen. All right, now the last section is suffering with patience. Notice verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the crooked. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience towards God endure grief, suffering wantfully. I think Peter had in mind Nero when he wrote this, these two verses. Verse 20, for what glory is it if when you are buffeted for your faults, you take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, for this is acceptable with God. This is really relevant today, especially when we're working for somebody who is a very crooked uh, boss. Verse 21, for even hereunto were you called because Christ also, also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. Notice the last part of verse 20, 23, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. If Jesus did that on the cross, how much should we do that living lives crucified to him? Amen. Praise God. Verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness by whose stripes ye were healed. Amen. That's talking about spiritual salvation. That's also talking about physical healing too. Don't let anybody tell you that as Isaiah chapter 53 verses 1 through 12 doesn't include physical healing. If they do tell you that, then they're lying to you. They don't, they are very ignorant of full redemption. God is redeeming, has redeemed our spirit. He's redeeming our soul and he will redeem our body. And part of that redemption in our physical bodies is physical healing. Praise God. And then finally, verse 25, which says, For ye were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. And what a better place for us to be. Amen. To have our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength, everything that is within us tied up and tangled up in love towards our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father God, we love you so much. We thank you so much. We're so thankful for all your blessings. And Lord, I pray this for everyone within the sound of my voice. Father, let this word just get real on the inside of them and bless them and cause them their eyes to be able to see and cause us all to rise up a little bit higher than where we are. And we'll give you the thanks for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior. And I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly 
and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.